Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Here we are after an incredible weekend. We welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're here every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports, on Facebook, Chatterbox Sports. We invite you to please subscribe, turn your notifications button on, and uh, check out all our clips as they come out for the day. On social media, we can be found on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Tom Brenneman TV. That's Tom Brenneman TV. And of course, we're available in podcast form wherever you get your podcast Apple, Spotify, Google, right on down the line at Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, here we go. Lots going on. A win is a win. And I know you'll take it no matter how or when you can get it. It might not have been the most beautiful thing in the world. But the Bengals go to the Big Easy and come away with a come-from-behind 30-26 to decision over the Saints. It's the first time over their last 11 games, and that includes the playoffs from last year, where the Bengals score 30 or more in a game. And really, it was precisely how the team won games a year ago. They come out flat, then rally late, and win in the fourth quarter. The defense, this is an unbelievable note. It's the first time any team in the league, going back to the year 2000, it's the first time that any defense has gone six consecutive games starting a season without allowing a second-half touchdown. That is mind-boggling. Joe Burrow connects with fellow LSU alum. Big deal, them going back down there. Jamar Chase, little late 10-yard sideline route. Chase breaks it 60 yards. Touchdown with 157 to go. And the Bengals are now 3-3 three and three on the year. That mark, by the way, is good enough for technically a tie atop the AFC North. The Ravens fall to the surprising G-Men. The New York football giants, 24-20. to 20. I got to tell you, and we're going to talk about this with uh, Brian Billick and call me the craziest guy in the world. I think Lamar Jackson is as unique a talent as we have seen in the NFL. But like the Bengals, the Ravens are not scoring touchdowns. They're not scoring touchdowns, especially late. Jackson fumbles the ball on the final possession, through a pick earlier in the game. The G-Men are now 5-1 and one on the year. Who would have thunk that? Elsewhere in the AFC North, we thought it was a game to check out, to keep an eye on. New England goes to Cleveland and clobbers the Browns. 38-15. Who is Bailey Zappi? Is he the next Tom Brady? He throws for over 300 yards and two touchdowns. New England outscored Cleveland 28-9 in the second half. Brownies slipped to 2-4. Shocker of the day, without question. It came in Pittsburgh. As the men of aluminum, as we call them here on the show, actually showed flashes of steel in a 20-18 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mitchell Trubisky replaced a concussed Kenny Pickett Threw a fourth-quarter touchdown to Chase Claypool. That took a 20-12 lead. Brady and the Bucks go down the field. 
score a touchdown, fail on the two-point try to tie it. Steelers 2-4, and four, Tampa Bay. Lots of things going on there at 3-3. Three and three. Two other games of note. Now, the game did not live up to all the hype going back to the playoff game last year. Decent game nonetheless. Buffalo goes on the road, beats Kansas City 24-20. Josh Allen outduels Patrick Mahomes. Allen over 300 passing yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Mahomes throws for over 300 through two touchdowns, but two interceptions. Lastly, in the NFC East, big one in Philly. What a sports weekend, by the way, in Philadelphia. The unbeaten Eagles and the once-beaten Cowboys got together last night. The Eagles continue to roll. They pick off Cooper Rush three times in route to a 26-17 victory. Philly 6-0, Dallas still 4-2, and Dak Prescott is due back week seven against the Detroit Lions. Now shifting gears to the college front. UC and Ohio State were both off this weekend. But once again, college football is, at least in my mind, it is without question the best sport on the American landscape today. You look at this weekend in the SEC, what an unbelievable scene down in Knoxville, Tennessee. As the Volunteers beat Alabama 52-49, to the teams combined for nearly 1,200 Yards of offense. Chase McGrath kicks a, a, a duck. Ball was sideways. Wasn't end over end. It was one of these. 40 yards for a game-winning field goal at the buzzer. Meanwhile, in the Big 12, unbeatens met in Fort Worth. And another unbelievable game. TCU defeats Oklahoma State in double overtime, 43-40. to TCU was picked to finish seventh in the Big 12. They'll now, they are now number eight in the national polls. In the Big 10, Michigan throttles number 10 Penn State 41-17, over 400 rushing yards in that game for the Wolverines. They outscore Penn State 25-3 in the second half. And look, there are articles written about it. We talked about it on this show before the season began. The Penn State program right now waking up and asking themselves, forget Alabama, forget Georgia, forget Ohio State and Michigan for that matter. Where is the Penn State program right now? This team, they got massacred in Michigan over the weekend. The Pac-12 USC and Utah, what a sight and a scene that was in Salt Lake City. Utah beats USC 43-42. to And in the who would have thunk it category, 1-4 Stanford, who is awful, goes to South Bend. Paul Fritchner, you were there. Yep. By the way, Casey McAllister. Paul Fritzner, good morning. Good morning. All right, Tom. We still got the dunce cap over here in Seho, sitting there with his headphones on, doing Lord knows what. Uh, you were there. Stanford goes to Notre Dame, beats the Irish 16-14. That means Notre Dame is now 3-3 three and three on the year, 1-2 and two at home, and their losses at home have been to Stanford, 
and Marshall. What is the vibe in South Bend? Yeah, not good. It, it was not a good game. And the worst part was that not only was it a loss, but it wasn't even a good game in the first place. You know, if you're, if you're sitting there in, in for three hours, three and a half hours, and you're watching a 43 to 42 overtime loss, and you're thinking to yourself, at least, all right, at least we saw a good game. But Notre Dame scored a first half touchdown that got taken back. They never really looked like they had a ton of offensive rhythm. They never looked like they were the better team in the game. They had some momentum late in the game in the second half, and you thought, okay, maybe it won't look pretty, but it's one of those games where Notre Dame's just the better team here, and they're going to get it done. They're yep. going to gonna come away with the win. They did not, and it's weird because if you watched the week before, if you watched that uh, BYU game in Las Vegas, if you watched the North Carolina game, I'm not saying that they were the top five team that they were ranked in the preseason, but they looked like they were on their way back to being at least a serviceable top 25 team. Go to a decent bowl game, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, all that momentum just comes to a screeching halt over the weekend, and again, you're, you're left scratching your head because that game should have never been close. Stanford is a terrible team. And Notre Dame couldn't get it done. It's 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 a head scratching loss. Again. I feel bad for Marcus Freeman. I mean, the guy's a great guy. Was a great player. Uh, the players love him. He can recruit like crazy. But I just wonder uh, his staff he has up there. They have got to find a way to start coaching guys up. Yeah, if you think back to the struggles that Charlie Weiss had and and his oh. struggles. With, don't even get me started. Well, you, you, don't even get me started on that guy. Uh, it, that guy. Don't even get me started. But remember how, how that all started when you were talking about the offensive coordinator and how the offense was going downhill, and that was start of the, the, the avalanche of decline of that, of that tenure. And now, all of a sudden, you go on Twitter. Every time you turn around, it's Tommy Reese, Tommy Reese, Tommy Reese. What's the offense going to do? Tommy Reese going to last the season, you know, all that. So, Well, I, I just think that, you know, that, that, that whole program, they, they've got some major issues there, and, um, and, and, and Kelly could coach whether you like him or not. All right, where are we going next here? We're going to baseball, I think, is we where we're headed. We are, right? believe, going to baseball. Yes, baseball. we are. First, it was the Cardinals, then the Atlanta Braves. Both teams dispatched in the National League by postseason by the Philadelphia Phillies. The defending champs were bounced three games to one, best of five. Maybe the shocker of all shockers, the Padres, who lost 14 of 19 during the regular year to the Dodgers, defeat L.A. three games to one. What a scene in both Philadelphia and San Diego. The Padres and Phillies start the best of seven National League Championship Series tomorrow night in San Diego. In the American League, Houston sweeps the Mariners three games to none. Is this the year Dusty Baker? finally wins a World Series as a big league manager. And tonight, winner take all in the Bronx, Game 5, Yankees v. Guardians. And last but not least, FC Cincinnati beat New York in the opening round of the playoffs. Next up, the Philadelphia Union on Thursday night. Seems like every big game is being played in Philadelphia <laughs> over the last uh, seven days. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, here's what's coming up today. Brian Billick next on covering everything going on around the NFL and lots of topics, not just the Bengals, but lots going on. We'll have Paul Doherty coming up at 1040 to talk about the Bengals win in New Orleans. Our buddy Vach Lombardi from Dallas to talk about the Cowboys and their loss last night to Philadelphia, but Dak Prescott coming back. And don't look now. 
You can hear it in the distance. We talked about it the other day with the Buffalo Row. We revisit our picks. And there's a guy who was in last. He might still be in last. But I mean, he is closing ground quickly. We're back with more in a moment. All right, we're back on uh, Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Uh, a pleasure to be joined by the man who's got it all covered in the National Football League, former Super Bowl winning head coach with the Baltimore Ravens, our good friend Brian Billick. Brian, you don't look like you're hanging out in your uh, palatial estate up there in uh, mid-Ohio. Where are you? You look like a hotel room there um, today. Yeah, I'm on the road in Nashville. Had a great uh, speaking engagement with uh, some of the folks from Truist Bank. And uh, visit with my daughter a little bit now in uh, New Orleans to have another speaking engagement. So uh, on the road a little bit. Well, good, good. I want to catch up with you about a couple of topics here. I, w I want to start with um, New England. You know, they, they, they've been up and down. It's a, it's a different kind of a team that they've had there in years past. Mac Jones, high hops, uh, hopes for him at quarterback. He gets hurt. Uh, the Zappy kid comes in, and he's playing great. Uh, they go and just demolish uh, Cleveland yesterday. I mean, I don't know how good Cleveland is, but for a rookie quarterback to go on the road and play as well as that kid played, if you're Bel Bill Belichick, do you have a quarterback controversy at this point in time? Uh, no, because of all the people in the NFL who care less about a quarterback controversy, it's Bill Belichick. We talked about it last week uh, with regards to Cooper Chase and uh, uh, or Case and the and the Cowboys and all that. You know, the coaches and the organization will say, no, no, there is no controversy. Unfortunately, they don't have a saying because that's for, you know, us to, to debate and the fans and we're going to talk about it. And, and there's going to be a quarterback controversy, whether it's real or not. That depends on what's going on in the locker room. So Bill has such control of that. If the other kids playing well, I mean, the, the, the New England Patriots, even under Tom Brady, no team morphed itself better to the talent that they had offensively, defensively. Uh, they'd run the ball 50 times one game. If that's what they thought it took to win, they'd throw it 50 times the next game. So whichever quarterback's playing well, I imagine Bill's going to go with that hot hand and not care what the rest of us think. We're talking about some big-name quarterbacks with you a little bit today. The Tom Brady situation. Now, now look, you know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. I, I'd make the argument that, you know, he's one of the top three or four players in the history of the game. Um but, you know, over the weekend, uh, obviously played in New England forever. Everybody knows that. Very close with the owner there, Robert Kraft. Um, a guy like him gets a lot of leash. You know, he doesn't practice every Wednesday, and there are a lot of the guys in the league that have that. But much is being made about, you know, him leaving after practice on Friday, going up Friday night to Robert Kraft's wedding uh, coming back on Saturday, rejoining the team there in Pittsburgh. Um, as a coach, walk us through how much rope you give. And, and then is there, you know, are, are there guys on the team that start to say, wait a minute now, he doesn't play for New England anymore. You know, things like that. What are, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? And maybe you've been through something like that as a coach yourself. Yeah, it's not a problem until it's a problem. In other words, it's not a problem until you start losing. All the things that go with Tom Brady, we talk about where is he in his career, how old he is, what's going on off the field, it's back and forth. That's not a problem when you're winning, okay? It's when you're losing, unfortunately, now it's going to bring into question. Him going to Robert Kraft's wedding, we see all the time. How many times do you turn on a college football game and you see some former player who's now in the NFL? Uh, and it's maybe playing that, sorry, but is that the game? 
maybe he they're, they're playing a team close to it and he wanted to go to the game. Players are going to do what they're going to do. Yes, as coaches, you'd love for the players to go home at night, lock themselves in the room, look at film, uh, get their meals underneath the door, come back to you know and, and play great. But that's not the way it works. Um, what Tom Brady's doing, you're right, one of the great players of all times. It's not an issue until you start losing. And now all of those things do become issues and no more or less legitimate than when you're winning, but the losing all of a sudden brings into question, okay, now what you've been doing all this time uh, and we've won all those games, now now you got to do it differently. So, yeah, it is going to be looked through that prism. It is a factor, um, and, and obviously they're struggling right now, but and the only way to correct it is to win. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you know, we've been talking about this, and Brian, you talked about it at length on the show before the season began. Uh, they lose so many weapons, but everybody all of a sudden, you know, continuously assumes because you have Aaron Rodgers that everybody's going to be better. You know, Brian, I got to tell you, this does not look like a good offensive team in any form or fashion right now. They they got bludgeoned again yesterday uh, and, and, and just don't look like a team that is a contending team. Yeah, and it's and again, when we're talking about Tom Brady, when they're talking about Aaron Rodgers, when we're talking about the great storied future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, uh, there is an expectation that goes along with it, regardless of what's going on around them. And that's not fair. Uh, we've talked about it many times. One of the hardest things to do is evaluate a quarterback separate from what's going on around him, good or bad. The problem with Aaron Rodgers, and, and you know my love for Aaron Rodgers, I think right now he's the greatest quarterback. If you're talking about just quarterbacking skills, the ability to raise the level around you, uh, I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and, and the touchdown-interception ratio is, is primary among that. Right now, in his state of mind, I'm not saying it's Aaron Rodgers, because you're right, just like Tom Brady, uh, just like we saw in Baltimore, and everybody said, well, you know, Lamar Jackson's not playing well in the fourth quarter. No, the team didn't play well in the fourth quarter. It's not just Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay Packers aren't playing well. And, and he's going to be the focus of that. In his his demeanor now, which is trying to be cool, calm, relax, I'm Aaron Rodgers, we're okay, seems a little detached. You know, I always said, sometimes as a coach, the team needs to see you kick dirt on home plate, right? They, they yep. need to see that there's yep. that emotion and passion. And that's not there right now, and that's concerning to me. You brought up Lamar Jackson. Uh, I might be the only guy on the planet that is not as high on him as everybody else is. I think his skill set is incredibly unique. Uh, certainly his ability to run the ball. I don't think he's a good passing quarterback. I just don't. I don't think his completion percentage is very good. Uh, we've seen over the last two or three weeks where he's had wide open receivers, uh, big plays, especially that Bengals game where he misses three times, wide-open guys, it would have been touchdowns. Am I wrong on that? Or am I an idiot? No, You've called me an idiot of, many times no, before, so of, that's okay. Yeah. You're not wrong. You're, you are an idiot, but you're not <laughs> wrong. Okay. Yes. Uh, Lamar, and we've talked about it for a while, Lamar is a unique skill set. Uh, he's not, he's not going to be able to beat you just from the pocket. We have some quarterbacks running around pretty good. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Josh Allen, who we just saw, was spectacular. But if you took that away, if the, if the NFL passed rule and says, okay, the quarterback can't leave the pocket, those guys can still beat you. Okay, 
Uh, Deshaun Watson can still beat you from the pocket. Uh, Russell Wilson can beat you from the pocket. Um, Lamar Jackson cannot. That he It has to be the total package, and it's a dynamic package. Also, you have to play good, solid defense with that. Their, their formula to have 32, 34, 35 minutes time of possession, which didn't happen against the Giants, which is a big part of it. When they can dominate a game that way, uh, 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 have Tucker kick field goals anytime you cross the 45-yard line, that's that's a unique dynamic. They don't have that right now. And if it gets into a position where he has to beat you from the pocket, no, right now he doesn't have that particular skill set. His skill set is good enough to win. We've seen it be an MVP level. Is it collectively good enough to win a championship? We haven't seen that yet. But as, as just as a quarterback, mechanics, guy can beat you from the pocket. And I'm still one that believes in order to win a championship, your guy has to be able to win from the pocket. And, and he's not shown that yet. All right, the last thing I want to ask you about has to do with that very thing. If you're the head coach, and, and, and this can be Lamar Jackson, if you want to put him in, uh, you know, in, 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 as a blank in this statement, that's fine, or this question. But I'm asking in general, because I always used to argue all the time when I did baseball games that, you know, when fans start screaming and yelling about making this trade and that trade and all those other kinds of things, that, you know, I always ask the question, are, are you making those deals because they can, they, they can give you a chance to win the whole thing? Not get in the playoffs, not maybe one, win one game in the playoffs, but win the whole thing. Does there come a point in time as a head coach or an owner or a GM where you have a guy like Lamar Jackson, there are others out there, where you say, you know what, we love his skill set, we love some of the things they can do. We love the fact that he can get us to the playoffs, but we just don't know. Or, or no, we don't think he can win the whole thing. Therefore, we're going to move on. Have you been in that situation? And if so, what do you do? You, you've got to be very careful, yes, when you're talking about dynamic talent. Uh, it's the same conversation you're having about maybe they had when Dak Prescott in the contract. It's Okay. Are we not just in terms of moving on, but are we going to expend those kind of resources? Can this guy win it all? Because ultimately, that's how it's going to be judged. So those are dramatic examples. For the most part, when you're talking about moving on or you're trying to acquire someone, if you think you're that one guy away and we're going to make this one blockbuster trade, you're not. You're not that. No, that, those those mistakes are made over and over again. What you look for in trading or letting players move, can I get incrementally better? I just want to get a little bit better. Is this guy we're going to draft, I know he's not a top-round pick, he's not this, he's not that, Can but but is it time to play the younger player? Is he a little bit better? I just want to get incrementally better. Because if you're going to swing for the fences and think, okay, this is going to be a dramatic change, it typically is not. Um, and I don't think the organization, I think they fully believe in Lamar Jackson. Uh, there again, I think they can win a championship with Lamar Jackson. It, it, until it happens, then there's always going to be that question mark. There was that question mark with with uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers until he won it all. There was that question mark with with uh, uh, Peyton Manning. You know, it's okay, you can get to the playoffs, but he really, you know, he can't win it all. Until you do, there's going to be those questions. And those are legitimate questions. Uh, but, yeah, you got to be very careful. And then you always ask the same question, whether it's, okay, we're not going to pay the contract or time to move on from a quarterback. What then? Believe me, I know firsthand from when you don't have that guy at that position and you mm -hmm. get on that roller coaster and that up and down, that's not a treadmill you want to get on. 
All right, my friend, well, safe travels. We thank you always for your time each and every week. And uh, Godspeed ahead down in the Big Easy. Be careful down Alrighty. there, all right? Oh, I will. I will, all man. Right. Thanks. All right, buddy. Brian Billick, kind enough to join us each and every week. Great insight. Love just asking about little things like that that are very, very big things. Uh, decisions you have to make as an organization about do you give the money? I mean, do you spend the money? And everybody's saying, oh, you got to sign Lamar, you got to sign Lamar. I'm not saying you shouldn't sign Lamar. But you have to ask yourself the question, and you just heard it from Brian Billick, he's not so sure Lamar Jackson can beat you in the pocket. Um, and off the top of my head, I don't know how many quarterbacks um, that have won Super Bowls that you could say the same thing about, that they can't beat you in the pocket. Because ultimately, that's where you're going to have to deliver the goods. All right, when we come back, we're going to visit with Paul Doherty. And all that is and was the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday in New Orleans. Stay with us on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, speaking of Bosch Lombardi, he's going to be with us coming up uh, a little bit after 11 o'clock to talk about uh, the Cowboys and what's going on there. Uh, they lose last night. I think everybody expected them to lose last night. And maybe this is the perfect time, not that there ever was any kind of quarterback controversy. Obviously not in Dallas, but uh, they lose. Rush throws three picks, uh, but he goes four and one as a starter for him. Uh, so no complaints. Prescott coming back. We'll have Vach coming up at 11. Uh, gentlemen, we have Paul Doherty just in a couple of minutes, but I know uh, both of you and Casey will start with you. Uh, your overall thoughts about the Bengalis yesterday. It did not look good for a long, long time yesterday, but they pull it out at the end. Yeah, um, I won't lie. I was off doing the Pumpkin Festival on Saturday. So I was watching the game through the ESPN updates, right? And as I'm watching, I'm just seeing them get gashed over and over and over again in the run game. I'm like, how is this possible? How is this possible that we could not game plan for them when we knew that's all they were going to do with Kamara and Hill? And I'm just sitting there like, we're going to lose this game. We're going to lose this game because our defense, who's been stellar all year, is going to give it up for us. Um, later on, I found out that Tupau got hurt early on in the, in the game, so that had some ex explanation to it. But, uh, you know, I thought... This was very retro 2021 Bengals yep. football. And I thought that the Bengals offense played much better, much, much better. Yes, they did. Um, we finally got to see Jamar Chase break one to the house. Um, I was screaming for him because I ended up making it home to watch like the last couple minutes of the game. And I was screaming, get down, get down, just slide, just, you know, kill more clock. Because at that point, you know, you, you're going to be able to win the game. All right, dude, if he and, falls down, okay, for the clock thing, yeah. how many times have we watched them first and goal? They have the worst percentage in the NFL on first and goal touchdowns. And, 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 and bear in mind, if he falls down, they're still behind in the game. Yeah. Okay, I'm not banking on this team for five seconds. First and goal from anywhere, guaranteed to get a touchdown. Yeah, Let Lamar Chase run from the Superdome all the way to Arkansas, or all the way to Texas <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, to score a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right in that instance. Like, just 
I just thought, you know, the way that the game was going, they had already scored on pretty much every single possession except for one, I think. Maybe not even that. They might have scored on every possession. You mean New Orleans? No, I was the Bengals. Besides the, the first drive of their game where they had to punt the ball away, I think they scored just every time. I don't think so. They went through a long drought there. Their first nine plays of the game. The second half was better. Yards. but second half was better, yeah. But they, they barely had the ball in the second half. Yeah. Barely at all. Very similar to the Ravens game yeah. last yeah. week. But either way, I thought he should have slid. Good thing that he didn't because he scored and we won the game because of it. Um, yeah, it just felt so retro 2021. That's all I can say. I mean, Joe Burrow looked on fire. Um, he's spinning out of the pocket and finding Tyler Boyd on that third yep. down. Oh, Great play. That was awesome. Yeah, and then he had the touchdown run. Yeah, which was fantastic. Yeah, they 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 looked they looked better. I, I don't know. I'm interested to hear what Paul Doherty thinks about this from the morningline.substack.com. Uh, he joins us a couple of times a week, and he's ready to go right now. I think yep. he's got the TML lid on. Uh, you promised the uh, column was coming out. Is it out yet? I was looking for it all yeah. morning long, and I didn't see it. Yeah, I, I, I finished it about five minutes ago. Okay. Well, yeah. everybody can go there and read it, themorningline.substack.com. Your overall impressions of the Bengals' victory yesterday in New Orleans were? Um, well, I, and I wrote this on, on the morning line. I sort of paraphrased Donald Rumsfeld. Old people remember Donald Rumsfeld. He yep. was Secretary of Defense under George H.W. Bush. And he, he had a line of something to the effect that you don't get the army that you want, you get the uh, that you need or want, you get the army that you have. Uh, that didn't sit well to a lot of folks here during the first Iraq war. But that kind of sums up, the, to me, the Bengals. You don't get the, 20, the 21 team that you want, you get the 22 team that you have. And that may not be bad. This is a different team, uh, uh, different circumstances. Uh, and I think no game this year pointed that out more than yesterday's game. Um, they're not going to be the bombs away Bengals. Uh, teams have taken that away, and they have not shown enough, uh, I don't know what it is, arrogance, courage to, to change that. For the first most of the first half yesterday, Tom, you know, they, they perfected the horizontal passing game. And if you're, if you're used to watching this team from last year, you, you're kind of thinking, boy, this is, this is ugly. Um, and it was only in the second half when they kind, of the, they kind of loosened things up, the play calling, let Burrow be Burrow and Chase be Chase, that, that they looked like the team that everybody thought they were getting when the year started. Um, and and all, all that sort of a fancy way of saying that, that – uh, a win is a win, I suppose. As as they always tell us, it's hard to win in, in the NFL, mm -hmm. which I've never understood because half the teams in the league do it. So it must be equally hard to lose in the NFL. <laughs> but anyway, they, they go to a dome and it's loud and, and, and they, they, they're behind the whole game. They come back and they find a way to win. And that's great. That said, I, I don't think that game changed my opinion of this team one way or the other. In fact, after I watched uh, I watched that game and then I watched Kansas City and Buffalo, it may have reinforced my opinion. Th this team is not in that class. 
I mean, you can say they beat Kansas City twice last year, but that was last year. Um, I don't know if you watch Kansas City Buffalo, but those are the two best teams in the NFL. And if the if the Bengals aspire to be of that caliber, they're still a little bit short of that. And and I think the big reason is the offense still kind of squirming to find itself. I almost wonder, though, and and you are spot on in all of that, especially you know the horizontal passing game. But look. I, I've been as critical as anybody on the play calling, and, and not only the play calling, but the play design. I look at some teams, and I made the reference, Doc, uh, a week ago. The Travis Kelsey, everybody on the planet knows this guy's going to catch the ball when Kansas City is in a clutch situation. He only had seven catches in that game two weeks ago for 25 yards, but four of the seven were for touchdowns when everybody on the planet knew inside the eight-yard line he was going to get the ball, and they got him the ball. So I think it's the design of plays sometimes uh, as much as it is play calling. I will give him credit, though, that that if, if this Tampa 2, cover 6, all these different terminologies, if it is taking away what they were last year, at least I saw yesterday at times um, the ability to morph into something, as you point out, different and use the Tyler Boyds and the Hayden Hurst and even Mixon out of the backfield to catch some passes, which they weren't doing through the first five games anyway. Yeah, that, then that, that's right. and that, That's understandable. And, and they, they did what they had to do yesterday. I, I just... I would like to see at some point as this year goes along that that, that that they kind of bring resurrect that attitude of we're not going to take what the defense gives us. We're going to take what we want. Um, I, I think they have the players to do that. Uh, I, I think you can mention Jamar Chase in the same breath as Travis Kelsey. Obviously different types of receivers but with the same sort of skill and, and uh, uncoverability, if you will. Um, I, I don't want to see a team with, with Boyd, Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase, and the emerging tight end Hayden Hurst play the horizontal game. That's basically saying we can't beat you playing the way we want to play. And we still might not be able to, play, to beat you playing your way. But if they're going to lose games... I want them to lose playing how, how they want to play. I want them to dictate the action. And maybe that's unrealistic. I don't think so, again, given the players they have. Uh, but I want to see that. I, I want to see the second half of yesterday's game all the time. The defense, uh, I mentioned a little while ago, it's the first time that a team has gone six straight games. Uh, without allowing a second-half touchdown. That in and of itself, to me, watching the state of football that we are in today, that, to me, is a remarkable accomplishment by this team defensively. We can sit here and debate all we want about the backup quarterbacks they faced early in the year. Maybe they haven't faced that juggernaut offense, although I thought they did a great job against uh, Baltimore until that last drive of the game. Uh, but but there is certainly something to hang your hat on when it comes to this defense and holding teams to field goal tries rather than touchdowns. 
That was key yesterday. Obviously, you're not going to beat anybody by by kicking field goals when they're scoring touchdowns. Um, yeah, I agree. The defense has uh, up until yesterday. I thought the defense had overachieved a little bit. Um, yesterday, they they did not. Yes, they ultimately they won because they held the the Saints to field goals and and they made that stop on three and out with two minutes left in the game. Which to me, uh, that's when the Bengals won the game. Uh, the, the fact that Chase had the, 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 uh, the catch and run for the touchdown just put the frosting on it. But I, I told my wife we're watching the game, I said, three and out, they, uh, the Bengals just won. And then they had the bad punt, uh, you know, and they were already in McPherson field goal range as soon as they got the ball game over. So, yeah, credit to the defense for that. I, I would like to see them do that when they, when they face Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson again, even Tom Brady. They, they have benefited immensely from the quarterbacks that they've played. Um, four and a half games of, of backups. Um, and we've, we've, we've named them, listed them. And, and yeah, and, and the fact yesterday that everybody in the country who had any interest in this game whatsoever knew the only way the Saints were going to win uh, was if they played one played great defense and, and two were able to control the game and, and score points running the ball. Uh, and, and it took the, the Bengals defense 58 minutes to, to, to get that straight and, and uh, force Andy Dalton to beat them, which most people knew that he wouldn't, especially when he didn't have his top three wide receiver. So yeah, great, great defense so far this year, but I, I'll, I'll put the asterisk asterisk beside it given the, the quality of the quarterbacks they faced all right i i want to uh i want to shift gears for a second because I, if there's ever been a weekend and really i think it happens almost every weekend but if there's ever been a weekend uh that spotlights college football being the best sport there is in the american landscape today i think this past weekend was it um you can sit there and you can question this call question that call whether it's the urgency to know, you know, maybe you can lose a game, maybe you can't lose a game. Uh, in some cases, maybe you can't lose a second game. You know, for the Alabamas and the Georgias and the Ohio States, Michigans out there, maybe they can stub their toe, but you can't lose twice. Uh, th this weekend was incredible to watch college football, whether it was Tennessee, Alabama, TCU, Oklahoma State, USC, Utah. I don't care where you were looking. There was a great game every time you turned around. Uh, yeah, I agree. I only happened to catch the second half of the uh, the Tennessee-Alabama game. I, I was busy cleaning carts and and <laughs> um, watching leaves with my wife uh, most of the day. But but you're right. Um, what I saw the Tennessee-Alabama game just spoke to, to, to what college football is at its finest. I mean, the, the scene after the game was amazing. The, the tension in that game uh, from one possession to the other w w was astounding. And what was on the line, especially for Tennessee, uh, I, I think certain teams make the game better for their presence. Like, I, I just think Tennessee makes college football a better game when Tennessee's good. Yep. And they haven't been good for a while, at least not great. Uh, yes, sir, Saturday they were great. And college football benefited immensely from it and, and the sidelight of it being that now that Alabama has lost a game there exists a possibility a chance 
that they won't be in the playoff for a mil- for the millionth year in a row, and that's always a good thing. So yeah, yeah great, I, great. You know, in in fact, um, it's gonna. I, I was looking at the schedules for both Tennessee, Tennessee after you know a little bit of a breather, and they're allowed a breather when you play in the SEC. You know, in the middle of the year, Alabama does it all the time. Midway through the year, you play somebody you're gonna kill and get your guys healthy. After next week, they go back-to-back weeks, Tennessee does, against Kentucky, who I still maintain that if they don't blow the game with two fumbles inside the 10 against uh, Ole Miss uh, and then have their starting quarterback, Levis, who's a very good player, miss the next game, which they lost, I think Kentucky's a legitimate top 10, 12 team. Tennessee plays against Kentucky in Lexington, and then they have to play Georgia. So, you know, uh, it's not going to get any easier for them. And and for Alabama, now all of a sudden in second place in their half of the division, uh, they're going to play Ole Miss here in a couple of weeks. Uh, But then you get to the possibility, Doc, before we let you go, and there have been a lot of big ones in the past. I was at one two years ago. But I got to tell you, this collision course for Ohio State-Michigan looks like one of the potentially – Biggest games those two schools have ever played against one another in the long-storied history of this rivalry because both of them look like they're really good. I'm not so sure Ohio State and Michigan aren't the top two teams in the country. Yeah, they they might be, and and you're right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think in my mind what games are bigger between now and the end of the year. Uh, I'm not sure I can come up with one. I, I don't even where is where is that game this year? That's at Ohio State. Okay. Um, well, good. I, I I've been to enough of those games in that stadium to know what it's like. It, it's it's an atmosphere unlike any I've ever I've ever seen. And back way back in the day when I covered college football for a living, I saw lots of atmospheres. Right. I mean, I I'd, I'd been to LSU. I'd been to Georgia. I'd been to Alabama. I'd been to all those places. None are any better than, than uh, Ohio Stadium when Michigan's in town. So, yeah, uh, that, that's one I, um, I'm glad that I won't be cleaning golf carts for. I'll be able to watch that. Look, before I let you go, though, because you, you, um, you, know, you look at Penn State, and I made the comment a little while ago. i got to ask you, Doc, uh, you know, look, he might be a good guy. Uh, I understand, in fact, he's a very good guy. Mike Reed, one of the all-time great players in college football history who played at at Penn State is a friend of mine, and he went back for the first time in 30 years uh, to visit Penn State a couple of months ago and came away very impressed with Franklin. But, but Doc, that program is is not competing. Now, they play Ohio State uh, a week from Saturday in um, at Penn State. Who knows what happens? Uh, stranger things have happened. But they just don't look like they can compete with Ohio State and Michigan anymore. Forget Georgia and Alabama. Yeah. I, and, again, again, that's another one of those schools where college football is better when they're winning. Um but but you're right, and I don't I don't know why that is. I, I don't know how easy it is anymore to recruit to State College, Pennsylvania, uh, given the competition for for really great players that that that, that they have, and I, I think that's probably one of the problems. But you're right. I mean, they have a chance. They they get to play the big boys, and and if they can compete and beat the big boys, then then maybe we can revise the history a little bit on 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 Penn State, Tom. But they haven't done it for a while so we'll see 
All right, my friend, um, we will catch up later in the week. Looking forward to reading the morningline.substack.com that just came out a little while ago. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the sunshine. Thanks, Tom. Go Guardians, by the way. Yeah, by the way, is right. Love to see them win that game tonight. Uh, Garrett Cole uh, was fantastic in game one, fantastic in game four. Um, but that, that, that that's going to be fascinating to watch tonight because all, all the underdogs except for Houston – all the underdogs have advanced so far. Nobody saw Philadelphia and San Diego uh, coming out, and there they are in the National League Championship Series. Dusty Baker's sitting there waiting on the winner of that one tonight. Um, good stuff in the baseball playoffs so far. It's been exciting. You can win 111 games or 101 games, which two teams did, and have your season be considered – an underachievement at best and a failure at worst. How about that? That was no question about it. And that's what they're saying in Los Angeles today. Uh, and they might be saying it in New York, New York tomorrow. We shall see. Doc, have a good yep. rest of your day. Thanks, Tom. All righty. Thank you for the time. All right. Uh, Vach Lombardi coming up in a few minutes to talk about the uh, Dallas game last night. Cowboys losing to Philadelphia. Uh, but Dak Prescott apparently is on the way back. Fox Lombardi, right around the corner. You're watching Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. You just saw a clip of him the first time we had him. I mean, he's all things of the NFL draft. He's all things of the Dallas Cowboys. And maybe we'll find out that he's all things in another topic. But Vox Lombardi, who called me an old man, as you just saw, called me an old man the last time he was here. But I am a forgiving sort. Right? Thank God we're in the forgiveness business. So, Vach, welcome back, my friend. Uh, nice smile on your face there, although you look like you got the – I know you're an hour behind us, but you look like you got a different kind of mood feel there. Is that because the Cowboys finally lost a game? Paul, Paul, good morning, first and foremost. Thank you so much for <laughs> everybody over there. Thanks to everybody watching. Um, you know, um, I have been up for a while, but you know, when it's when it's time to work, it's time to work. I'll I'll rest, you know, in July or something like that. But it is it is definitely time to be up and at them. Um, I'm I'm just in a I'm just in a generally good mood. You know, mostly when when Cowboys lose and it's a very what I would call a a like a valid loss. Yeah, sure. I would be upset. My phone would be off. I don't want to talk to anybody. And there's going to be a lot of people calling and tweeting me to talk their little noise and their little mess about my Cowboys losing. But I, I just feel in such a, such a mood today. Let me just take over your show. Let me get focused. Real quick. Let me get, go let, ahead. Let's get, it's all yours. Let's get focused. So this is what I've been dealing with. Right. And this is what I love about the YouTube space. YouTube is this niche type space where people can come to and, and they can find the exact type of information that they're looking for. I'm not poo-pooing on any kind of national broadcast, but I do think there that comes with a lot of nonsense when you try to be mass appealing. So there was this thing that Cowboy fans were going through. It was this whole Dak Prescott versus Cooper Rush debate. Yeah, Cooper Rush will win in this Bengals game. He'll win versus the Washington football Wizards and the Giants and the Rams. And all of a sudden, there's this air quote quarterback controversy. And I hate that because Dak Prescott Scott 
does not deserve that, right? And it doesn't matter what numbers you bring, what because I'm because I'm film guy. I will show you plays of my proof and my science proving my point. No matter how much film numbers information you bring to the table, there will always be a naysayer that's rolling with the nonsense. People can say that the earth is flat, but they can build some type of evidence to make somebody prove it. But when the science, you know, when the when the science gets here, it turns out to be nonsense. Last night was flat earth science. Last night was the science that looks everybody in the face and goes, there's no way you can continue to believe that the earth is flat. Here's the information right here. Shouts out to Cooper Rush. I do not want to say any bad things about Cooper Rush because defending Dak Prescott, I've had to do that the past four or so weeks. But that dude has done nothing but kept the Cowboys in playoff contention. And I don't want to say a bad thing about him, but your watch has ended. I am proud of that dude. Dak Prescott is back. And that's probably why I have a smile on my face. I never was the guy to say oh well look at Cooper Rush is doing with this team I was always the guy to say man look at what this team is doing with Cooper Rush now you add Dak Prescott and my Cowboys are are they're on their way so yes I have a smile on my face Tom uh, you know what, I, and, and, and I think you're 100% spot on. The good news is uh, you tell me because you follow it more closely, but I just go by when I'm reading. It looks like there's a good chance that Dak Prescott comes back in week seven against the Detroit Lions, right? That's that's the plan. That's the look. Um, Dak Prescott threw um, 40 passes in the um, pregame versus the Eagles or whatever. And, you know, it wasn't anything. We're not throwing, you know, nine routes. We're not throwing out and ups or anything like that. We're just getting the feel for the passes. And the ball has zip on it. The grip looks good. But they didn't want to rush Dak out there. And to be fair, that's because of Cooper Rush. Thank you, Cooper Rush, because the Cowboys are 4-1 going, going, going into week six. So we don't have to rush Dak Prescott back. So he's going to be fully healthy for the Lions. And that's when Dak will make his return. All right, the Eagles, they get the win last night over Dallas. Uh, they're 6-0. and um, What are your thoughts on that team? Uh, you're, you're watching film. I, I'm guilty as charged. I'm not sitting around watching game film on the Philadelphia Eagles. But at the end of the day, they're the only unbeaten team left in the NFL. How would you stack them up on what you've seen against teams, say, like Buffalo? <clears throat> so well the shades coming on for that what does that mean or is that a thing you do on your show when the shades come on that means something's happening this means some honesty is about to happen it could be some uncomfortable <laughs> honesty and sometimes when i when i when i get real honest like this people want to look me in the eye and be like vosh there's no way that's the case no 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 but i, but I gotta put these so they don't look me directly in the eye when i say it i th this is a quarterback lead right Quarterback league, you know, and I understand that, you know, Geno Smith is tearing things up right now, but over the course, though, over the course of the season, the guys that are going to win are the guys that can typically pass the football and play defense whenever they want to. Yep. So when you say Buffalo Bills, when you say Kansas City Chiefs, those dudes are up here. And they're, they're going to be able to sustain that over the course of the season, right? Because they have that formula. Luckily for the Eagles, they don't have a great schedule, but they do have a great defense. They do have a great run game, but I think there's some treachery afoot when we look at the Eagles. They don't score a whole bunch of second half points, and I thought that was interesting. I was looking at you know some of the some of the games that they played. I got it in my notepad here. I was just looking at some of the games that they played. I'm like, man, when they played the Washington Football Wizards, they scored no points in the second. <laughs> Nine, uh, nine versus the Jags, 14 versus the Lions. They got the worst defense. Zero versus the Vikings, six versus the Cardinals, and uh, uh, six versus my beloved Cowboys. I'm like, why can't the Eagles – 
score in the second half. And I'm like, what's what's going on with these guys? I think they have a very opportunistic defense. And I think, you know, when teams try to take this wrong approach versus their defense, they try to avoid the interior. I think they kind of get in trouble with some of the outside stuff going on. Darius Slay is a fantastic corner. But I think if you just run directly at that defense that's been touted as a fantastic run defense, I think you're going to run into some trouble. I think teams avoid that because Fletcher Cox is in there, Jordan Davis is in there, and Hargrave is in there. But last night, the Cowboys just kind of ran at that front, and Cooper Rush, he wasn't good enough to do anything with it. But Cooper, uh, but Z got crazy versus yeah, some of those. Yeah, I, I, I got to tell you, that's what I was going to ask you. I got to tell you, you know, I mean, a lot of people have wondered about Ezekiel Elliott, and obviously he's got a huge following here in Ohio, and his oh. unbelievable career at Ohio State led him to a national championship. He looked really good last night to me. I mean, he looked 100%. powerful, he looked quick, he looked decisive, he looked fast, he looked good. Now, now Zeke just didn't roll out the bed fast and explosive when he haven't been that way. I just think that there may be something to this Eagles defense that we don't. But let me give the Eagles credit, though. They're, they're much better than what they were. But I think the big key here, the biggest key to my pessimism, it's Jalen Hurts. So my biggest lead in to this whole thing was I thought that Jalen Hurts was a phony in the passing game. And to be fair, he is because I, you know going into this game, Jalen Hurts and Cooper Rush had thrown the same amount of touchdown passes, right? So I'm like, let's let's just let's just make Jalen Hurts throw the football and let's see what happens. And we made Jalen Hurts throw the football last night, and he only had 155 some odd yards. It's because Jalen Hurts is still doing that Jalen Hurts thing where he gets to the first read and it's not there, and then he gets stuck trying to diagnose and he holds the football and either runs or gets caught for a sack well he didn't have a whole bunch of opportunity to to you know run around or you know so he he did the he did the whole you know get hit thing he did the whole dump off thing he did the whole um let me get the ball to aj brown and he saves me with yak yards thing i think the league learned a lot of lessons about the eagles last night to where the cowboys could turn they could give the ball away four times to where they can give the eagles offense positive field Four times to where a backup quarterback is playing and the Cowboys get 100 yards and penalties. And it, it still wasn't a double-digit game. I, I'm, I'm not saying this to be a salty Cowboy fan or anything because I think the Week 16 matchup with Cowboys versus Eagles is, is, is going to be much different. But I can say that if the league watches film, they they probably learned something about the Eagles last night. All right, then, 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 then I want to get to you before I let you go because I have debated this with guys when I was doing the NFL and games every week. Um, Dak Prescott. Sure. Love the guy as a human being. I mean, he seems like he's a totally top of his game kind of kid you'd love for your daughter to date. I mean, he's that kind of guy, right? He's a talented quarterback. Um, he's done a lot of good things in this league. But do you think he's a guy you can win-win with? And come on now. Come on now, Vach. I mean, you gotta let, so you might want to put those sunglasses on. So, so when you say win-win, and when we have this conversation, I mean win-win. I mean get you to a uh, get you to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. Do you believe that the Dak Prescott is that kind of guy? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because the evidence shows you that if the situation is 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 um any any kind of adequate, that Nick Foles can win a Super Bowl for you, or Jimmy Garoppolo can go to a Super Bowl for you, just or just pick a guy that's not the best quarterback in the league, right? If we take this conversation, oh well, it takes an elite quarterback to win a Super Bowl for you, then the last few quarterbacks that will win it for you would only be like these Pat Mahomes types or these Josh Allen types. Not nah, all kinds of quarterbacks. Joe Burrow can go to a Super Bowl, then come back the next year and look, you know 
whatever he want to look like. Matthew Stafford can go win a Super Bowl and come back the next year and look absolutely horrible. I think it's it's more so about your surroundings. And if and you know we're having this conversation about Dak. Will I say that Dak is elite or a Josh Allen type or a Pat Mahomes type? No, but I think we live in a world to where we throw around elite so much that we assume that the dudes aren't elite, aren't good. Dak Prescott may not be elite, but he's fantastic. And no matter what quarterback metric you're looking for, Dak Prescott is top five in that quarterback metric, yep. even since he's been in the league. Um, so now we get to this point to where, okay, well, can he win the Super Bowl? Well, if you take Dak Prescott, plus sign, this defense that before last night we haven't given up 20 points at all. You take that team and you put that with Dak Prescott, of course you can. If you take a look at Dak Prescott, uh, let's say um, playoffs versus the Packers, right? Dak Prescott put up 34 po 31 points against Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers put up 34. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't score 20, hell, Dak Prescott, he, 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 he is rewritten in history, right? So this is a team sport. And we've learned this. Hey, when you win, that credit goes to the quarterback. When you lose, that credit goes to the quarterback. It doesn't matter what this defense has done. When the, when the Cowboys win, we say Cooper Rush won. That hadn't been the case. So when we talk about Dak Prescott, yeah, when the Cowboys have these tough losses, you say Dak Prescott lost. But if you look at the numbers, Dak played well in those games. Just that the defense or the surrounding characters. And, you know, Dak's not perfect, but uh, that's a there. there's a lot of content needed with conversation like that. But to okay. answer your question, if Jimmy Garoppolo can do it, 100% Dak Prescott can do it. Okay. Uh, before I let you go, where and why did you come up with the Washington Football Wizards? Because the Commanders is not a good name, and I refuse to call them that. <laughs> did easy, you like easy. the Redskins? I was a youngster when, when, when that was going on, and I didn't really get the whole – uh, idea of it, so I just kind of grew up with it, and it is what it is. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's their name. It was the historical name, so it is what it is. But when they changed it to the football team, being a rival, of course, I'm going to make fun of that. You don't even have a name; you're the football team. And then when they decide to change their name to a name that's worse than the football team, they should have just kept the football team over Commanders. So I just, I'm just going to opt to call them Washington Football Wizards from now okay. on. I'm never going to change it. Do you, do you watch? Before I let you go, you watch much college football? Do you? I love, I love college football. I think. It's it's better than pro football. Honestly. Yeah, I do you know. too. I just said that a little while ago. Uh, I just said the same thing a little while ago. I, and after this weekend, uh, I've got family ties down there to TCU. Horn Frogs got it going on. Um, it's fun to watch. That Sonny Dykes sure. can coach him up now. 100%. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people look at college as the portal for who the next guy, you know, who the, who the, who's who on the next level is going to be, right? I don't, I don't look at it that way. I, I look at college football as its own thing. I think it's the only place where, you know, no matter what bowl game, it, it could be Eastern Illinois versus Northwestern Texas Junior College. If it's, if those teams are, are generally even, you can get a good game out of it, right? I can watch any one of these ranked teams go against each other and you'll get a, 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 a top tier product usc versus utah was fantastic yep. last week yep. i would i would much rather watch that than jacksonville versus indy or something you know what oh, I mean? not and, even debatable I, I in fact I, I i think i think the argument could be easily made that the tennessee alabama game was far more enjoyable to watch uh mm -hmm. than all the hype and the buildup of uh, of the bills chiefs playing yesterday and I think that's the case because they're not pro football players. And if you have all pro football players, the game gets a little more clean. And of course, if anything gets clean, it gets less fun. That's like we can watch a boxing match, right? If we're watching two boxers, those dudes are 
pro level boxers. And sometimes what they're doing in there, it could be so nuanced that the average eye can't catch it. But we'll love to go out to some Buffalo Wild Wings and two dudes fight each other. Like we can still <laughs> find entertainment there, right? So when people make the argument of, oh, well, those kids aren't pro level players, the game's not as clean. I look at that as the advantage. So you're you're so college football is this pool of the best athletes in the world also mixed in with dudes that are going to be security guards and accountants in five years or whatever. And you, and you, and you put that together and you have to find matchups, no matter what, you know, where that matchup is offensive line, D line, cornerback, whatever quarterback, whatever that, that, that combination is that algorithm for your team. It makes your team unique. And there may be 500 college football teams, but everybody's algorithm is unique. Alabama has been the champion for the past 10 or so years, but every two years they look like a different team. That's what's so dope about college football. Yeah, it's the algorithm no of guys. No, there's no doubt. Vach, you are the man. Um, I appreciate the new nickname, which I'll carry with me, Pawpaw. That's what I called my grandfather growing up. So I like that nickname. So if I can carry on that nickname, I will take it, especially coming from a cat like you. I can live with that. Thank you so much. That means the world to me. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. Vach Lombardi on all platforms, and I'll see you later on the volume at 3 p.m. Central. Salute. You're the man. Vach Lombardi, kind enough to join us. From down Texas in the Lone Star State, Cowboys got Dak coming back. And, and, and Vach, look, the guy looks at film. I, I'm going to take his word for it. He thinks uh, Prescott can get it done. I'm not so sure, but I think he brings up a valid point about what's around you. And we're seeing that right now, especially with uh, Tom Brady. We're seeing it with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the, the, the cast around them, whether they be hurt or just not there anymore in Rodgers' case, uh, and they both look very mortal right now. So we'll see. It's exciting news. It's better for the league to have Dak coming back and playing again, uh, apparently, this coming week. All right, when we come back, we're going to break down the Bengals a little bit, talk with uh, Casey and Paul about this whole thing. And then, about 11.30, we are going to get into our uh, picks and how we did over the weekend. We got huge numbers watching today. Um some of the guys getting on the college football front. Uh, Andrew saying uh, he believes Ohio State mops the floor with Michigan. 6412 Mars says, I'm buying Michigan now. I don't like them, but they're good. Um, Andrew says, sad thing for Tennessee is they are still probably less likely to make the playoffs than Alabama. It's an interesting point. We talked about Tennessee's schedule, though. They still got to be Kentucky, and they still got to be Georgia. And the winner of that Tennessee-Georgia game, which will be the biggest game in college football if Tennessee stays unbeaten, and Georgia will, that'll be the biggest game in football before the next biggest game in football, which will be Ohio State-Michigan. Um you know, Little Moo. Haven't had Little Moo. You guys know who Little Moo is? No, I do, do not. Do we know who that is? No. Okay, Little Moo says, wonder if we could get Marvin Lewis to join the program occasionally. You know, that's a, good, that's a very good question. I'd like to have him because he's doing the same thing Brian Billick's doing at Arizona State. Um, their coach had just got fired. Why am I drawing it? Herm, Herm Edwards. Edwards. Uh, he brought in uh, Marvin Lewis to kind of oversee as a consultant the defense and Brian Billick to oversee as a consultant for the offense. So that's a, that's a good question. We'll do that. And Steph says, love Vach. Got to have him on more. 
Yeah. What do you guys think of Vodge? You like him? Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. He's dialed in now. He is dialed in. Um, I really think eventually when the draft comes around, we should have him on for that. Like if we do like a long draft show or something like that. Right. He's really good. I've watched some of his stuff before. Um, I tend to really follow his word on it because he breaks down the film and he does a really good job with it. So, um, yeah, I really like Foch. I think he's awesome. I wanted to ask him about, uh, you know, an early preview of his number one pick in the draft. Uh, And I don't know what year the the hooker kid is in at at, – Tennessee. Tennessee. I know he transferred from Virginia Tech. So he might be one of those guys where it's only his first year as a starter, but it's his you know second or third year uh, as far as being in college. But look, I, I'm excited for Tennessee. I agree with Vach, uh, or agree with uh, Doc, that the sport is better when Tennessee's good. That scene at Neyland Stadium the other day was it just looked beyond description. Storm the field, tear down a goalpost, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, come on. If you're talking about a Heisman Trophy winner this year, that hooker guy's been good. There ain't anybody in the same galaxy as Stroud. <laughs> I what mean, that, not even in the same galaxy. What, what, what's the numbers? Are they anywhere close? Stroud has thrown 21 touchdowns, three picks. Hooker has thrown 17 or 18 touchdowns, I think one pick, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. There's no contest, none. Their yards are about the same. But Stroud is coming out of every game basically in the third quarter. And I saw a stat the other day. I think I shared it the other day. Ohio State's the highest scoring team in college football. If you take their number of points in the first three quarters of games, don't even give them the fourth quarter. If you give them the first three quarters of a game, they're the second highest scoring team in college football. <laughs> Overall. Wow. I mean. That's impressive. It's incredible. And Hooker's playing in most games four quarters because they've had some, some tighter games. So how much stock, Tom, do you put into the Heisman race with the games and the quality of games you have to play? Well, I mean, look, when all is said and done, you, know, you can't control that. Uh, there's nothing you can do about that because – you know, let's, let's take, for example, uh, Tennessee and their win against Florida. I think all of us agree early in the year for a team trying to get back to where they were, that's a really good win for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a game that for a long time they haven't been winning, okay? But then you watch Florida ever since then, right? I mean, LSU goes down there. You know, and outside of LSU stubbing its toe uh, – a couple of drives there in the fourth quarter. I mean, they obliterated Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, is Florida better? And I'm, be, I'm totally serious when I ask this question. Is Florida better than Maryland? Mm-hmm. Maryland's 5-2. and two. Maryland's having a good year. They're having a good year. And I'm asking, are they, is Florida better than Maryland? I don't know. No. I have no idea. I don't think so. Maryland's having a really good year. I don't know. Yeah. Maryland's pretty good. That's uh, Tua's brother down there. Yeah, is your yeah. quarterback? Yep. Um, Florida's back to being, as I, I said before, this season started. They have never been, and until something shows me different, 
They are never going to be the same again without Urban Meyer. They're just not. They're not. They've gone through three or four coaches. Uh, every time they bring somebody in, no. Yeah. And Brian just, Kelly, meanwhile, mark it down. Yeah. It won't be long and I, before they are kicking tail and taking names down at Baton Rouge. Yeah, and LSU, by the way, they also lost to Tennessee. They got blown up by Tennessee. Right. So that just shows even more like just the the difference between Florida now and what they were when Tennessee played them yeah. all that while ago. But. Yeah. I just I, – there's some, I, I think the SEC, and rightfully so, um, gets a lot of credit for being – you know, they're middle-of-the-road teams. I'm talking about the Alabamas and the Georgias, and, and now Tennessee entering that conversation. But, but some of their middle-of-the-road teams you – know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, I'm not buying them either. You buying Ole Miss, Paul? Undefeated? Are you buying Ole Miss? Who have they beaten? They beat Kentucky. They beat Kentucky, but well, Kentucky should have Kentucky Kentucky, won that but game. But Kentucky gave Kentucky the game away. Kentucky, Kentucky should have won that game. Kentucky is a better team yeah. than Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah, Kentucky should have. I, I mean, when you say buying Ole Miss, like I'm not buying them as a national championship contender. No, but I'm saying are, but, you, are you even buying them being in the same galaxy as some of these other – they're ranked, what, sixth or seventh in the country? Yeah, they're a top ten team. I mean, you, you, yeah. you buy in them, you be able to compete with Alabama? Well, no, but I don't think there are a lot of teams that are. I mean, I think there's – I think there's – there's realistically, Tom, there's like five teams in college football that are relevant in any given year, right? If you, if you really break For it down – the last number of years, if yes. You, if you break it down – I think college, there's more than that this year. College football, in my mind, is a four-team sport with a rotating fifth, right? There's Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama – Georgia, and then there's a rotating fifth team. Some years it's Oklahoma. Some UC. years it, it, it might be – last year it was UC. Right. Some years this year it might be Tennessee. There are four teams with a rotating fifth, and that's it's the same thing every year. So when you ask me, like, am I buying Ole Miss, in my mind they're not that rotating fifth team. That's Tennessee. So to an extent I'm buying Ole Miss. I, I think that to this point they're deserving of a top ten ranking, but the gap between those five teams – and then everybody else, to me, is big enough that they're in a different stratosphere right yeah. now. Because I think it, I think there is a clear separation, especially at Clemson, which if you haven't been they following Clemson, good. DJ Uyungle has been playing a whole lot better look good. than he has been throughout the rest of his career. So if you look at, at the top five right now, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama, right? Is that five or six? Did That's I just six. write all up? Okay, six. So, six, right? Michigan, you could, if you want to throw Michigan in there the last Absolutely. couple of years. Absolutely. So in the last couple of years, you throw Michigan in there. But they hadn't been no. in, in quite some time. No. And, and, and since we've had this conversation with the playoff and this four-team playoff, Michigan's only really been back in the fold in that in the last couple of years. So, if you have this, this four-team, maybe five-team with that rotating one other team that comes in and out every year, like, yeah, Ole Miss is there at seven. They're not going to compete with Alabama. They're not going to compete with Georgia. So, yeah, I'm just going to look at their schedule really quickly. They Ole have, Miss. yeah, they have LSU, Texas A&M, then Alabama, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. Oh, we're going to find a lot about them yeah. soon. You know, well, you know what's amazing is we are only halfway through this college football season. Yeah, we have. I all mean, this they, the teams play 12 regular season games, and we are only halfway through the season. There is so much good college football left; it's mind-boggling. Speaking of, let's get to my power five. 
I don't care what the AP says because, you know, the coaches poll uh, and the AP poll just based on the eye test. I don't know how in the world they continue to put anybody ahead of Ohio State. You may not like Ohio State. You might hate Ohio State. So far through six weeks, the eye test, they are the best team in college football. Look where that defense is. They were barely in the top 100 a year ago. Jim Knowles is coming there. You can say, well, who have they played? Fair question. But we're about to find out soon. Georgia, I got two. I think Michigan deserves to go to three, even though their out-of-conference schedule was brutal. And the one thing that's going to be very interesting for Michigan, they ran for 438 yards against Penn State. Um, what happens? Can they throw the ball well enough to beat you? And it's a legitimate question. Tennessee, number one overall in offense, as far as yards, just ahead of Ohio State and Georgia. But look at that defensive rank. Somebody made the point yesterday, a well-respected college football writer, can't remember who it was, it wasn't some Ohio State guy, said if Ohio State played Tennessee, Ohio State would win a game 55-20. to 20. Hmm. I mean, I'm just telling you what somebody else said. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but, I mean, they just gave up 49 to Alabama. Yeah. Uh, and Alabama gives up 52 points. And, by the way, before we get to the picks, we were talking about this beforehand. Paul Feinbaum, one of the most respected, maybe the most well-known college football writer in the country, has his big radio show down there. He's all about the SEC. He's all about the whole thing. Knows everybody, in tune, uh, whole deal. He was on a Birmingham, Alabama radio station this morning and made the comments that with this whole NIL thing now, and Alabama is one of the very few schools that are not disclosing everything that they're doing. And Nick Saban has said over and over he hates it. He despises it. He thinks it's bad for college sports. He doesn't like any part of it at all. But according to Paul Feinbaum, between the NIL, the fact that players don't come in and show the respect or have the fear, whatever word he used for Nick Saban, uh, and for what they're trying to do. Uh, and, you know, he says he does not believe Nick Saban is going to last uh, the, the life of his contract. He thinks he is getting fed up with all of it. Well, think about in college basketball, right? Jay Wright, one of the best coaches of all time. He retires for one of those same reasons. You think about Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, all these legendary coaches that are retiring right now because the landscape of the college sports scene is so different. You're looking at this now – like you almost need a general manager. You need somebody managing your program, managing how each program is handling NIL. And the recruiting landscape has completely changed in the last even just three to four years of how teams bring players in. And you're starting to see some of these coaches that, right, it's, it's the old adapt or die. Yep. And, and if you're not adapting, then you're going to get left behind in this scene. And you look at some of these smaller programs – that are being able to, to put up some money for the NIL money, and you're going to maybe start to see some parity. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Look at Dabo Sweeney. Dabo, for years, years we had to hear Dabo complain about the NIL. Years. On and on and on and on about how it was going to ruin college football. And, and people that say that it's going to ruin college football because all the talent's going to go to the top, 
That's what it is anyway. Every year. It, when, people, when people make the point, and I, and I understand the premise of it. I understand the premise that, oh, the, the, the big boys will only get bigger, right? The Alabamas will only continue to, to get the best talent. But they're already getting the best talent. Yeah. I just said that five minutes ago where it's a five or six sport league. They're already all at the top. So if the NIL is there, you got to adapt to it or you're going to get left behind. And for a guy like Saban, who's already on the older side of life, he's already been around the college game forever, things are starting to catch up in the recruiting game. Look at Texas A&M yeah, out-recruiting right. out Alabama year after year. Now the performance on the field might not get there, but recruiting-wise in the recruiting rankings, A&M's consistently above Alabama. Yep. So to say that NIL is a bad thing, I, I don't – I think there is some nuance to it that it's not ruining the sport. It's changing the sport, but it'll adapt. It's not like the sport's going anywhere. And if it if the talent continues to go to the top, then guess what? It's the same as it's always been. So I, I think there is a little bit of nuance there to that save and take. I think we need to get somebody in here who is a uh, uh, an NIL expert to really kind of, you know, NIL 101, for lack of a better term, like a college course. Because I, I just think it's so interesting how some schools are, are, are releasing some of the information, some are not. And it's not like they're doing anything underhanded. That's not the point. They don't have to. Um, but we, we, we got to make that happen. Got to find out somebody who's out there who, um, who's kind of on their game in that regard. Okay. Probably somebody. I mean, I would imagine. Uh, well, I, I, I would imagine uh, somebody you see. Yeah, every see. every school has somebody that's yeah. dedicated to that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to do that because I think it's a really interesting topic. But but again, Saban, boy, was he furious on that sideline? Hmm. Uh, the oh, the muff night. punt. The muff yeah. punt was. Yeah. And there 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 are two guys. And why am I drawing a blank on this? Brian Kelly. There, there are two head coaches in football, NFL, college. There are two head coaches in football where there's no better theater than when they melt down than Brian Kelly and Nick Saban. Because when they start going off on guys, especially their assistant coaches, Nick Saban through the years, whew, it's great theater, and Saban melted down. Kelly was that close the other night. I was watching him. I really watched it the entire second half of that game. He's that close to a total meltdown. Speaking of melting down, uh -huh. there is melting down at the top of our picks. Ooh. Don't do it. Well, at least Don't there's some me. melting down in two-thirds of our picks. Somebody else continues to keep that train rolling. As Aerosmith used to say, that train kept a rolling all night long. We're going to take a break before these picks? Sure. To you. All right. Yeah. Let's take a break. Our picks, how did we do over the weekend? We're about to find out. You know, a team we might be want to start uh, picking a little bit here, fellas, or at least start paying a little bit of attention to uh, in the NFL is the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. Didn't they beat Kansas City this year? They, they did. did. They I mean, they're just up the road. We follow the Browns. We follow the Ravens. We follow the Steelers because they're inside the division. But, um, you know, look, it's only six weeks into the year and everybody's playing 17 games. So it's, you know, a moot point. But, I mean, if you just checked in as of today, 
the Indianapolis Colts would be in the playoffs ahead of the Bengals. Wow. Three, two, and one are the Colts. Bengals would be the last team in right now. And that is strictly based on uh, a head-to-head win against Miami, um, a divisional tie would break uh, to eliminate New England, who's also 3-3. Three and three. Long way to go. All right, let's get to it, boys. Here we go. Again, 1000 bucks going to the winner's choice of charity. At the end of the year, we all come up short going with a crimson tide of Alabama, so we move on. Hmm. I'm pissed I was on the wrong side of that. I wish I would have been on the right side of that to kind of celebrate. Well, of course, the you Tennessee wish people. you were on the no, right side like, of that. No, but I mean, like, it's it stinks watching a game like that and trying to be excited for Tennessee and then realizing you were on the wrong side of the. Did pick. you just say you wish you were on the right side of that? I wish I was on the right side I, of everything. Yeah, but like, it's it's an extra. <laughs> Good Lord. It's an extra. It's Paul, an extra. Come on. It's salt in the wound, Tom. When you're on the wrong side of a of a, I was on the wrong side of A and M in Alabama last year. Okay. Brutal. Brutal. You want to you be happy for the home team. Uh, somebody uh, saw this coming from a mile away. Huh. I mean, you two oh, guys. Yeah. I don't know how in the world you two guys. You want to talk about looking on the wrong side. Casey at least has a reason. You got family. Yeah, yeah I got family. But I, they hadn't, Michigan hadn't played anyone. They hadn't played anyone well, that's besides true. Penn yeah. State. And it was close all the way up until the half. Um, I mean, like you said, they – it wasn't really all that close because McCorum, what's that running back's name? McCorum. Well, the other guy was the one who had all the, the, uh, all the, uh, the, the yards over. The, I mean, they ran for 438. Yeah, I mean, they but, ran But uh, the one kid, and I got I to gotta go check his name uh, real quick because I put it in here as our top performers, um, Tyrone Howe. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, where was it? I had him in here, I thought. One of the Michigan running backs also went off for huge numbers, not just Corum. Um, anyway, I mean, you run for 438, everybody's going to have a big yeah. day. And yeah. the, the other thing, too, with Penn State was their two touchdowns were, I don't want to say fluke touchdowns, but the one was a pick six, yeah. and the other one was that uh, option keeper, I think, for uh, Sean Clifford, the like 60-yard run down the middle of the field. They, didn't yeah. really, they, they never really manufactured a touchdown. On a drive. Yeah, they never put a drive. Yeah, there. yeah. That's uh, tough to see. Yeah. All right. It, it is. Okay, where else are we going next? Still on our college picks. Uh, we take TCU. The Horn Frogs win. Yeah. But. They don't cover. They don't cover. That was a hell of a game. I mean, my, my daughter was on the field when they stormed the field. Sent me incredible video. Um, and, and now all of a sudden, they got Kansas State this weekend. Kansas State's having a great year. They are. And, and so they play this weekend. Week after that, TCU plays Texas. Good games there in the Big 12. Um, uh, you, you, you talk about arguably, after a slow start, the hottest team in college football, it might be the Ohio University Bobcats. Yeah. Yeah, they, they look great. I put the graphic out for not too picky, and uh, – my four picks that I put on the graphic lost. I didn't have the ability to change the graphic because I was up in South Bend. Didn't have my uh, Photoshop with me. I wanted to add Ohio and uh, Syracuse, and Ohio won going away, 
Congrats to the Bobcats. Great Bob, win. I mean, Great you know, you, you, they, they played out of conference. They played some mighty tough teams. They played Penn State on the road. They played Iowa State on the road. They're, they're not like Michigan scheduling a bunch of patsies. Uh, they're, they're, they're playing real teams, and now they're getting in the conference, and uh, they're playing well. Okay, so we come away with wins there. Look at this, fellas. Three and a half. Paul, you and I got it. Casey, what happened? I was on the right side of this. That's all I got to <laughs> say. Well, you were on the right side of who won. Yeah. yeah. I, I just – I can't. I will sympathize. Never again, Utah. I, never again. I will sympathize with you, Casey, that sometimes you lose a bet. You were definitely on the right side of it, and you still lose. I don't know about this one, though. What do you mean? It was 43 to 42. Yeah, no, no, no. I understand, but this was always this was a close game, pretty much. Now I will say, I I didn't watch until the very end. I only saw the fourth quarter, yeah, and then I the mean, box score and the and the rundown. I should say, I should preface that it it, it was a close game. I'm pretty sure it was a good, yeah. yeah, it, it was, was a great, it was a good game. It was a, well, you know what? You know what? I take that back. It was a great second, third, fourth quarters. The fourth quarter looked like it was teetering on a massacre. USC, first two times the Trojans get the ball right down the field, touchdown, looked like they had the better athletes, looked like they had the better players, which they, they probably do have better players. But uh, Utah's got a nice program, and uh, they lost a couple early this year. They probably shouldn't have lost, including the opener against Florida. Um, but then all of a sudden, they, they, they made it a seven-point game by half. I think it was 28-21. Things tightened up a little bit uh, in the second half, but it, it was a fantastic game. I, uh, I I was glad Kyle Winningham went Me for too. two at the end of the game. Me too. He's a classy guy. I thought that was a – yeah. Classy guy. Yep. All right. Are we done with the college front? We are. Now we go to the National Football League. Go Giants. Let's go, guys. G-Men. Let's go. Are you guys buying the G-Men? Five and one? Why not? Well, I, I'm still not buying them. <laughs> Why not? They're because, five and one. Because I don't buy the Ravens. But But hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yeah. Okay. They've beaten in subsequent weeks. Now, back-to-back -back weeks, they've beaten the Green Bay Packers yep. in London, and then they beat the Baltimore Ravens. Now, most people, I'm not saying everybody, most people would have Green Bay and Baltimore in their top 10 teams, mm -hmm. 12, you know, maybe. Okay, yeah. Baltimore for sure in top 10. Green Bay, I, I don't know. But anyway, you'd have them in the top 12. How many other teams... When you say that are out there, do you say have wins against teams like Green Bay and Baltimore? When you say believe, do I believe in them? What do you mean by believe? Do I mean, I do you believe they are a bona fide contender, especially in what I think so far it could change, but what so far is a is a down year in the NFC. The Rams aren't who they were, right? Clearly. Clearly. They're not who they were. Uh, Green Bay's not who it was. Minnesota's a 5 and one team we rarely talk about. Uh, the, the, the Buccaneers don't look like any earth-shattering team, right? Dallas, we'll find out more about them. Philadelphia's 6-0, and but, um, you know, you heard Vach. He, he thinks that it's a beatable team. I mean, are the Giants in that mix? They're one game behind the only unbeaten team in the NFL. Yay or nay? I think what I think will happen, I'm just looking at their schedule now. Um, they're definitely going to go above 500. 
I don't think that they will make it very far in the playoffs because they haven't played anyone that I believe in. I, I, so here, here's the deal. They play the Titans. I don't really believe in them. I don't believe in the Packers. I don't believe in the Ravens. All for different reasons. All for different reasons. Um, I think those are our good teams, but I don't think they're great teams, and I don't think any of those teams will compete for a Super Bowl. Um, the only other team that on this list uh, in their schedule that is any good, um, Cowboys and Eagles. I mean, they play the Vikings, but I think the Vikings have kind of gotten away with a few games, and they play the Colts later on. That, that might turn yeah. out to be something. Yep. Who knows? But they just – their schedule is really easy. Really well, I mean, but easy. that's what you get. In fairness to the NFL, that's what you get when you're a bad team the year before. You get a break on the schedule. And I yeah. think that's why, in part, along with the salary cap and some other things, why we see a lot more parity in the NFL than we see, uh, like Paul, we were talking a little while ago in college football, baseball, they don't have a salary cap, so it tends to be the – the bigger market team spending a whole lot of money. And uh, and if the Yankees win tonight, it, it goes to prove what I've been saying for a long time, and I get ripped by the so-called analytics guy, oh, look at this, or Tampa Bay made it. Well, if the Yankees win tonight, San Diego is a team that's spending 175 whatever it is, million on payroll. Philadelphia spending a ton on payroll. Houston Huge market, New York. Cleveland wins. They'll be the only. Um, they'll be the only member at the uh, dance without much money in their pockets. Okay, where are we next? What are you gonna say? Gonna uh, say I was just gonna say one thing about the Giants. They play the Jags, Seahawks, Texans, and Lions. Their next four games. They win all four of those, which are winnable games. They'll be nine and one. Can you can you imagine a Giants team being nine and one? Well, in years past, I could, but not 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 coming into this <laughs> yeah. year. No. Can you imagine a Daniel Jones led team at nine and one? Well, Brian Dable though. Brian Dable. I, I like the guy. Love the guy. Love the guy. Love him. All right. What's next, fellas? Oh, you talk oh. about I mean, fellas. Paul, <laughs> you, you saw that, Paul. You know, I, I fellas. I saw I tried. myself coming a mile away, and I can't believe I picked it. So last time this year, oh, I'm done with the Browns. I'm they with you. They stink. They stink. They stink. Listen, they they stink. We do this every time. They they. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, I'm just gonna go off next week. They they play who they play. They play Baltimore. Watch Loss. them win. Watch them win that game. You know what? You're probably right. They Watch probably lose that game. It's at Baltimore. No, they won't. Never mind. Uh, but then they play the Bengals. Yeah. They right? play they Monday play night football. Monday night. Yep. 31st, the week after. That's Halloween night. We'll see. Bengals have Atlanta, by the way, this week. Atlanta coming off a yeah. big win. Falcons only team in the NFL, I think, to cover the spread in every game. I think. Could be wrong. Wow. Might be one other. Uh, here's another game. I, I, I just still, I, I just still can't believe it. I, I don't know what's going on because I don't watch them enough. Maybe you guys do. Help me here. I think um, it's got I, I just don't line. know what is going on. I, I know they had a lot of injuries to their receiving core. You know, with Godwin and I'm drawing a blank and uh, and um, gosh, Julio Jones. Uh, Evans got suspended for a game. 
after the meltdown against New Orleans. But what is going on with Tampa Bay? I mean, I'm I'm just gonna go on a limb here and say that's probably their offensive line. I mean, they lost yeah they lost two or three guys of their starters from last year. Alex Kappa being a Bengal, their center getting hurt for, for the yeah, season. That's right. So I, that's gonna be my gut reaction. The numbers don't suggest that. Um, they haven't been able to run the ball as effective. No, they haven't. So and plus, Steelers defensive line is pretty good. So the maybe, Steelers are awful. I but, mean, they're, they're other, awful. Yeah, I agree. I mean, other than that, they're pretty look, bad. Uh, they're having, Tampa Bay's having a hard time against everybody scoring points. And, um, man, I mean, did you see Brady with his offensive line? Did oh you see gosh. that clip? I did. I, lo- I love how he says it. He's smart. You know, you guys are better than the way you're blankety, 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 blank playing. <laughs> I uh, love Brady. I love the fire and passion that he brings, but man, if I was one of his offensive linemen after he went out and went to a good point to a wedding, I would be just lighting his ass up. It's a good point. Can't argue with you there. Uh, That one hurts too. Listen, um, the Chiefs, there are games where they look like the best team in the NFL. There are other games, and we saw it against the Bengals in the second halves of both meetings last year, and you guys know I hate those two words, last year. Uh, well, but, how about- Can- but Kansas City, to me, uh, I-, I think they're one of the top three or four teams in the league, but, but I, think- I think they are a very beatable team. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Colts beat them. All right, let's let's then let's then ask this question: What team do you feel like strikes fear into you? Buffalo, Buffalo, yeah, Buffalo. without a doubt. Is there any other? Is there any other no. team that coming into Cincinnati? I'm not saying that the Bengals are going to play every team this year. I'm just saying, you pick any team in the NFL, they're coming to Cincinnati. Is there more than Buffalo that makes you think, ah, nope? And I, even I, Buffalo, you know? I'm, yeah, I'm not really all that. By, by week 17, when we're talking about Monday night football? When they need to run the football and they can't? Yeah, and it's cold. So it's a, those are legitimate points. But Not I that still Buffalo say right now as we sit here, when you look at their defense, because they are very good on defense, and you look at their quarterback, and you look at some of the weapons he has, I still say if that team comes, you, you go play to that team, you're saying to yourself, I don't like my chances. I think everybody else out there. And look no further than some of these games this weekend. I mean, San Francisco looked like they were a team really starting on the come here, right? Yeah. Defense looks good. And I know Bosa got hurt. Um, You know, they were efficient. They were running the ball. Garoppolo's doing what he normally does, good enough to win games. And then then they go to Atlanta. And and they get get drilled. Uh, It's a hard league to figure out, man. Hard league. All right, what else we got? Two more. Somebody like the Eagles. Somebody's. And somebody, why did you pick Dallas in that game, by the way? Because our main man, Vach. <laughs> no, honestly, I thought, I thought. We have a lot of main men. Yeah, we got a lot of main men. We do. Uh, I honestly thought that the formula of taking care of the football, 
would drive the uh, sorry the Eagles the Dallas to win this game. Um, I saw that Eagles had kind of started to slow down from beginning of the season till now. Just kind of how Foch explained, they can't score in the second half. But uh, he turned the ball over three times, so that is the reason why they lost. If and they, they turned it over four in the game, I think. Yeah. So I mean, I'm I'm just going out on a limb here, but I think that game is much closer. I mean, it was still pretty close, 17 to 26, with yep. a backup quarterback. If they don't make those turnovers, then I think we're talking about a different ball game. I got to tell you, there are very few times I watch a team, uh, and I've not been that high on the Cowboys all year long. But I have to tell you, there are very few times you watch a game and a team loses. I came away, I don't know if you guys agree with me on this, I came away saying to myself, watch out for the Dallas Cowboys. Well, I think they get Dak Prescott, who I've never been a huge Prescott guy. But there is no doubt. There are games that, man, he's making throws and can just light it up. Now, does he have the weapons there to do it? I don't know. But Ezekiel Elliott looked, looked like a whole different cat last night than he's been in a long time. Pollard's a solid number two back they bring in there. Um and we know about the defense. You turn it over four times and you only give up 26 points. That's, that's pretty solid reinforcement that your defense is that good. I think Dallas is the team to watch in the NFC. And Cooper Rush finally caught up to Cooper it Rush did. last yeah. night. Cooper Rush mania, it, it wore off last but night. But you know what? You give a kid all the credit. Oh, all. yeah. I mean, all when, when, when everybody was saying the Cowboys season is over, when Prescott broke his thumb week one, they lose to Tampa Bay. And they're saying, Cooper Rush, here come the, the, the Super Bowl Bengals for a year ago. Um, he wins four in a row till last night. God bless him. Wish nothing but the best for him. One more. We all cover. Who day? Hey, they, they needed it. They needed it bad. They needed it bad. And Now, I want to ask you before we get to the cherry on, do we have the final numbers first? Yes, we do. Oh, right where here. we are. Oh boy! So I'm somebody was about seven, eight, nine games under five hundred, and now officially three out of the top spot. Yep, that's close. So it's I'm close. just, I'm just, we're not doing it by percentage. I'm just slotting in for Brandon's record. I didn't know if we were starting. Brandon back from, had a pretty good record, and you just crapped all over it your first weekend. Hey, I went six and five. We okay, both went six, six and five. Is okay, all right. okay, yeah. I, I beg your pardon. By the way, some of our viewers on YouTube are wondering what in the world is going on with Seho. Uh, he's still here. He's just hiding. <laughs> Where's the camera on him? Yeah. Is there, there a microphone is. down there? No. No? There he is. He's still here. He's still here. He's right so over here. They want to know if he's been cut out. And the answer is no, he hasn't been cut out. He's got his own show starting up. You have your show later today. Yes, 2 o'clock. If anybody that's listening to this show... Uh, is into sports betting. We're going to be talking a lot of Bengals today. Some Monday Night Football, 2 o'clock right here. And you can download it as a podcast too. Not too picky. How would you like to be these networks who, when the season began, you were so pumped up about having the Denver Broncos on? Oof. Oh, God. It seems like every time you turn around, they're in prime time. They're just in one of those runs right now where they were a Sunday night game, Thursday night game, now Monday night game. Five primetime games this year. Brutal to watch. Five. Russell's bad. 
How have they been on five? No, no, I'm saying on their schedule this year. They they were slotted (laughs) for five. They have five. They have five. This will be their third, I think. They have two more, I believe. Now, this will be an interesting game tonight if for no other reason that, um, and I give the kid so much credit in uh, Herbert, uh, playing with broken ribs, that is one of the most painful injuries that you can have, and especially a quarterback and having every time you throw the ball – um, I heard Boomer Esiason talking about this the other day, and and yet they win tonight. They're four and two on the year, and they're right in the hunt where everybody thought they would be. Yep. And, and and this is almost a make or break point for Denver because they have not looked good. They found a way to squeak by here or there a couple times. Uh, they lose tonight, knowing their schedule, they they could be in 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 big big trouble. Um, okay, do we have a cherry on top? We do. And, and would somebody care to tee this up? Uh, this was, I believe, five years ago today already. And I don't mean to keep picking ones that are making all of us feel old, but it's hard to believe that this was five years ago today. A very famous college football highlight. Get it oh, out. boy. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap. That was unbelievable. If you were sitting there as a Michigan fan that night, I remember watching that game. That voice crack from Sean McDonough is unbelievable. Yeah, it, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was like, you know, all you got to do is just snap it, catch it, kick it, game over. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Jim Harbaugh lost. I think he was like 1-8 or 1-9. His first nine or ten games against Michigan State, that being one of them, uh, and Ohio State until he finally won last year. I would say things have changed dramatically for Michigan since then. I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Michigan's, Michigan's relevant again. I think that's good for college football. It's good for the yeah. Ohio State rivalry, everything. No doubt. That is our cherry on top presented by United Dairy Farmers. All right, tomorrow, uh, my understanding is uh, after some border issues, customs issues, We'll get more into that tomorrow. (laughs) Tracy Jones is back in the good old U.S. of A. He'll be joining us. And we have a fellow. What's the guy's name from Tennessee? Uh, His name is Wes. Okay. Uh, Wes Walker, I think it is. But we'll we'll figure it out. We're going to talk about uh, that game over the weekend. And and obviously, we'll continue to talk about the Bengals getting ready for Atlanta. Um, Tom McCarthy. And Tom McCarthy. The voice of the Philadelphia Phillies. Thank you very much for reminding me of that, Paul. He has agreed to join us tomorrow from San Diego. Game one tomorrow night, NLCS Padres v. Phillies. Gentlemen, have a good day. Got to bundle up a little bit. Yep, it's a little chilly. Of course, it could be 115 outside, and it'd be about 48 in this studio. (laughs) Good Lord. We run cold here. This show's running cold. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us.